Chris. April George. Chris McGowan. 20 years? 20, yeah, I think so. 18, maybe? That's what we just said before uh, when we met some of my colleagues. 20 years, I'm thrilled that um, life and its patterns have brought us back together. Um, All this time on, it's crazy, right? Um, What were you doing when I first met you? It was like um, help desk or Yeah, I think I was in a call centre for like um, an online media company or something like that, selling physical CDs. Yeah. It was, not, it was not my life's work. And, and then... And the, <laughs> was it your finest work, though? I mean, I was pretty good at it, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, okay. Well, that's probably why you got the job at Leighton all, all that time ago. Um, and now you're in um, identity access management. Oh, yeah. And I'm a rookie. And you're the learned but still learning person that's going to help me understand this. Yes. Um, I hope. And... <laughs> I hope, too. <laughs> um... Because, you know, you know, as with all of these things I do, I don't really want to pretend that I have the knowledge around it, but that's the point. And I feel like many of the people that I work with or listen to this um, podcast are people interested in these things as well. So, sure. so why don't we just start off um, really um, simply, um, okay. but, but classically for me it's never simple. Um, there's this thinking at the moment that says that um, identity access mm-hmm. management is at the, the core of the next wave of digital transformation. And there's been variations of that theme, I think, around customer, but but, but we're specifically talking identity access management at the core of the next wave of digital transformation. Yes. Like, what is that and uh, and, and why? Um, Look, I think identity is one of those abstract terms that people hear and they may not really uh, gel with, but... Every single one of us and almost every interaction we have in a digital capacity, mm-hmm. there is some form of identity and access management mm. fundamentals going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So if you take... Uh, I always use retail because everyone's had to go and shop for a thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you're in a store and you're physically interacting with a, a retail assistant, they're able to get an idea about who you are based on how you dress, how tall you are, how you look, and then help you create a customised experience within that store Mm -hmm. because they physically see you and you are a manifestation of your personality and your traits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In a digital format, we all assume anonymity. Mm -hmm. So if I go online to any sort of online retail experience, Mm -hmm. that first interaction, I am an unknown Mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes to e-commerce specifically, what retailers look to do is create a more personalised experience for you without needing to gather too much information. Mm-hmm. And us as retailers and, and consumers, we actually expect mm-hmm. uh, sort of, I wouldn't call it tailored advertising, but we expect to go mm-hmm. on to a, a storefront somewhere that we've been before and see a history of what we have purchased Mm -hmm. and expect uh, recommendations based on our previous interactions, right? Mm -hmm. Now at the fundamental core of all of that is identity and access management Mm -hmm. and having an understanding of who you are in the same way that we do in the physical world, Mm -hmm. except digitally. Mm -hmm. So that can go in a million different ways, but retail Mm -hmm. is one that I think people all grasp because we all do shop Mm -hmm. at various points in our life. Mm -hmm. 
Um, uh, so I'm going to replay it to make sure I understand it. Um, it's basically so when I go on a, um, a, a retail website in this particular case, mm-hmm. um, I want to be able to, uh, in fact, not want, I expect that retailer to have enough information about me to make my experience more seamless. Okay. That's identity access. Mm-hmm. So the two main things that I think about there is... Um, um, what is the gateway to that identity? Like, mm-hmm. what what what's the protocol for identity that's sure. secure? And then the second thing is, you know, how transferable is that identity to places where I haven't shopped? I mean, right now I shop at Google, mm-hmm. um, let's say, yeah. and my details pretty popular. But I don't want to do that P- personally. I don't want, I don't want that anymore. I, yeah. I want something else which feels like my data isn't being you know used you know nefariously uh, by a big tech, uh, but I use it because it's convenient. So, so there's my two things. So, you know, when I've been talking about this, I've been going so far as, you know, uh, multi-factor authentication, which mm-hmm. is beyond just password and numbers, but but maybe it's something genetic. So I've got, how do you access it to make sure it, it, it really is protected? And then the second thing, how do you, you know, um, um, extrapolate that data across multiple channels, but without it being aggregated by by a Google or, or or am I in a fantasy land? No, I think, and that's kind of where we find ourselves right now. Mm-hmm. So, in the current digital ecosystem that we work within, mm-hmm. uh, it is gated by major tech or major financial organisations, and what we're seeing is more and more the end user, people like you and I are wanting more control over the information that companies have about me. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing a huge shift in the way that both organisations view storing data and getting consent for having that data Mm -hmm. and also the expectation of users as well. Mm -hmm. And now there's a lot more sort of cutting-edge protocols that are being released and there's some stuff based on blockchain, decentralised identity. There's all these sort of new ways of dealing with uh, removing the onus from large organisations mm-hmm. and putting them back into the hands of you and I, mm-hmm. which I think we'll see more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, what we're working within is still a ecosystem or many ecosystems which are based on this foundation of storing information and mm-hmm. credentials, passwords, etc., mm-hmm. about individuals. Mm-hmm. So, does it, you know, um, okay, so replaying that again. Mm-hmm. We are at a point of transition. Yeah. We're not done yet. <clears throat> Big tech is really still the gateway. Um, and, you know, this is about identity governance, I guess, is another theme that's on my mind. Okay, so, yeah. you know, what we're asking the big tech companies to do, and, and please tell me if I'm not repeating this right, um, is about consent for data, how they store the data, what they can do with the data. So there's the, there's the governance there. Yeah. But then there's a next wave, which is uh, de- decentralized gateways of data, like uh, like a blockchain type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Okay, I'm going to come back to decentralized blockchain sure. and, and and ask about that because it's an area, I don't know if I told you, but it's an area of interest of mine, blockchain, okay. and um, I'm, I'm fascinated by will it or won't it take. Yeah. I'm going to come back to um, password and the yeah. experience of that, you know. I was reading on something um, on you know your company website actually about um, um, the loss of revenue for people not remembering passwords. It's crazy. <laughs> well, my mate was on the weekend trying to buy something. 
I don't even know, Amazon or something. Mm -hmm. And he was literally like, F my life. I can't remember the password. I just want to buy this thing. Right? Yeah. So when, like, are we ever going to get beyond passwords and then Google Authenticator or the other Authenticator, whatever it's called? By the way, I hate the new Google logo for that. I don't know why they've got that <laughs> star. It doesn't look right to me. But no, but, but it What's that about? Yeah. Um, yes, we are. And mm. we do have the tech to do it now. Um, but what would it be? Choice. Yeah. That's really fundamentally what it comes down to, mm. allowing consumers' choice. Mm -hmm. There are fundamentally stronger authentication factors, which is what we call them, so things like biometrics, face ID, uh, Windows Hello, that sort of thing. What's that? Uh, it's the um, uh, Windows computers can scan your face and log you in automatically using mm. your, like a face scan, similar to face ID on an uh, iPhone. Mm -hmm. uh, Windows computers can do that as well, and they're not touch ID for mm -hmm. Androids and Apple stuff. Mm -hmm. But using biometrics, effectively, mm -hmm. things about you as a human, an individual, a person, mm -hmm. and utilising those to log you in. Mm -hmm. I think, and like having known you 20 mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. um, 18. 18, sorry. <laughs> when I first started in uh, IT, mm -hmm. MFA was those six-digit little fob things mm -hmm. that you'd have on your keys mm -hmm. and it was just a pain. And mm -hmm. if you had your keys in another room, you couldn't log in. And mm -hmm. I think there's still this perception that MFA makes things more difficult, mm -hmm. whereas you can actually have very strong authentication without passwords and have it be very easy. You could mm -hmm. just... You're on a Mac right now. You mm -hmm. could just touch mm -hmm. the keyboard, yep. log right in, right? Um, those sort of capabilities exist out in the wild. They're being deployed uh, internally at work. We are almost completely passwordless now. Mm -hmm. It is a reality that is possible, mm -hmm. but I think breaking some of that mental uh, memory of consumers who don't want to adopt that kind of thing <laughs> is difficult. So it really is an adoption issue. It is an adoption issue. But on the other side of that too, if you start thinking about just the broad spectrum of people that may exist either within an organisation or... Mm -hmm. interacting with your platform, they may not be the most tech savvy. They may not have technology that has biometric capability. Mm -hmm. They might still be on an old brick cell phone. Mm -hmm. So like, enabling choice to make technology still accessible is also important mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. And like the security of your login experience should be commiserate to the risk of the platform itself, right? So mm -hmm. no one's expecting you to MFA to check the newspaper, but if I'm trying to change my banking details, I want a, a decent enough level of uh, mm -hmm. authentication to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose there's a practical part of my brain that says that, um, you know, whatever the um, friction of mm -hmm. adoption for a, a fingerprint, surely it's less than trying to remember a bunch of passwords. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm in tech and I'm embarrassed to say that my password storage solutions, I don't know how to... <laughs> it's so confusing to me. Yeah. And I'm like, why Why is this so hard? Yeah. And um, my, um, I have a protocol for remembering all my passwords, but I do, I have to keep them in my head. Yeah. And we as humans are not built to remember long strings of numbers and characters that are randomised. So we will reuse similar patterns, mm -hmm. same passwords, 
And unfortunately, when uh, breaches occur and credentials are stolen, mm -hmm. the first thing uh, adversaries will do is use those pairs on any number of websites to try mm -hmm. and get access to mm -hmm. one of the tens of thousands, if not millions of accounts that have managed to get the mm -hmm. username password pair of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if you had a number one tip for people who use passwords today uh, and a naming protocol to remember them, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> maybe don't give away your own protocol, do you, do you have a tip for mere mortals like me? Um, use a password generator and storage device, like storage <sighs> system. I really was hoping you wouldn't say that. I know. I used to I used to have a bit of a party trick when I first started in cybersecurity, uh -huh. uh, where I would guess someone's password at a party, <laughs> someone I just met. I'd go onto their Facebook, I'd find a little bit of information about them. Uh, I'd probably be able to tell them their date of birth and also their mother's maiden name, which at the time was enough of a red flag because you could use that to like oh, ring up a bank. Simple, there are simple tools and mechanisms because we share so much about ourselves, mm -hmm. especially online. So I should change my password from password? 100%. Okay, good, just checking. Okay. Um, <laughs> no one listen to this, please, until I've changed all my passwords. Yeah. Thank you. Give you a couple um, of days. <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, so um, we were talking about um, um, password alternatives to access, and you're talking about biometrics is the path. Um, password using password generators and storage, unfortunately, which is beyond my comprehension te technically. So therefore, how does you know my mum? You know, and we talked about this, right? How how do our our, our less technical family members access this? And I I know that's in your one of the reasons you do this, yes. as we talked about. So what does mum do? Like, because she's not going to do that. Yeah. Um Look, uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, as insecure as it seems, mm. I would prefer any of my older family members to use a notepad of passwords <laughs> than to try and create a digital version of that, mm -hmm. right? At least it's something physical, it's in their home, it, like unless they're going to get robbed, which mm -hmm. that's already going to be a big enough issue in and of itself. At mm -hmm. least that way they have the ability to create passwords that are a little bit stronger and is somewhere that they can access it, right? Mm -hmm. um, ideally, though, my hope is that organisations do roll out easier ways of, of logging into platforms securely. Um, I know that uh, one-time passwords getting sent via SMS is not the most secure method in the world, mm -hmm. but it's accessible and people mm -hmm. understand it and it's, it's better than some of the alternatives out there. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, look... Um, Access to technology for, for people who are, uh, are less technically literate mm -hmm. or even uh, less affluent and can't afford mm -hmm. the devices that would be required. It's something that is, it's a problem space that exists. And uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of uh, experiences are crafted mm -hmm. for without thought of those mm -hmm. um, ec ecosystems. I think government and Healthcare actually have it a lot harder because they actively consider the outliers, mm -hmm. which can often mean that it's harder for them to uh, modernise and, and move forward because they are trying to capture mm. a much larger audience than maybe mm. your, you know, startup tech company would ever consider. Mm -hmm. But trying to find that balance is always going to be tough mm. and something that I always try to 
consider whenever I talk to organisations as well. <coughs> yeah, I um, I mean, in inclusive by design is important. Yes. Um, I was even um, talking about uh, one of our customers at the moment who has a particular icon. Um, you know, I, I think it's okay to say who you work for, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you worked uh, for Okta or Thera. And we were talking about the um, the um, eye icon for password reveal in yours mm. versus um, 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 accessibility requirement and what the icon has to look like and sure. then the configuration of design for accessibility. Now, as you know, I've just spent five years in this before before this really, yeah. and um, uh, you know, it's not it's not perfect. But as as a startup, I find inclusivity by design also means cost. And we're the type of uh, scale-up, I should say, we're the type of company people come to for accelerated delivery, not necessarily cost-based yeah. delivery. That's some big other international consultancy. You know, so it's, it's, it's a tricky space. I, I, I want to come back to that because you mentioned sure. something which I know is important to, to, to you, which is about um, less affluent and access to technology and mm. not necessarily being generational, but um, um, social, economic. And, but we'll come back to that in a second if it's okay. The... Um, um, I was asking about the type of passwords, biometric, and I was talking about um, blockchain experiences, uh, well, sorry, future technology experiences where yeah. you can access it. So if you could talk to companies about, about this um, mm. you know, openly, and you do, I know you do, yeah. right, but, but, right, but, but say anything to them about what they should be fundamentally thinking about to preserve their efficiency or their yeah. revenue or I mean I know these are themes that again I've picked up from from the beginning so it's revenue it's efficiency it's survival it's yeah. you know experience you know rich richness right? yeah. all, all that stuff let's just call it survival what what do they need to do tomorrow to yeah. make sure that the people that um, do embrace customer identity as core yeah. make sure they keep up with those guys like what, what should be happening there what's the advice I think the biggest piece of advice I could give, and, and a lot of companies do this, is they undertake this uh, huge expedition of building everything themselves, building everything from scratch. And fundamentally, very few companies on earth are making their money from building identity solutions. So mm -hmm. why would you invest engineering time and effort into building your own identity solutions. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be the thing that I'd get them to to think about at, at a core fundamental level, how much is this go it myself mm -hmm. costing me? Mm -hmm. And does that weigh up the benefits we're getting at a business level? Mm -hmm. Not from a security checking boxes, risk governance point of view, but at a, as a business, if I'm investing I don't know, the time of three developers full-time over the course of a year to mm. feed and water my identity platform, am mm. I getting the return on that that I would expect from a business revenue profit perspective? Mm -hmm. vast majority of the times the answer is no. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be the first thing I'd look at. The unfortunate part too, though, is... when it comes to cybersecurity broadly, and this is just stepping away from identity itself... Uh, CIOs, CISOs generally have a list of tens if not hundreds of risks they need to try and, and resolve, identify and, and solve for. Mm -hmm. Identity is often not 
high on that list. Mm-hmm. It is becoming more so because mm-hmm. people are understanding that there is a cross-section between security, experience, um, that requires a solid identity mm-hmm. framework. Mm-hmm. But that's not every organisation. Mm-hmm. Not everyone looks at it in that way. So um, a lot of times it will be looked at as the last thing to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll generally look at other things like vulnerabilities and potentially moving to the cloud or even protecting the cloud environment that you're, you're building and things mm. like that. So um, it depends on where you are on your identity journey, I guess how mature that identity journey currently is within your ecosystem that you're looking at. But mm. definitely step away from the whole, are we doing it well enough? Mm. Um, and start looking at, can it be done better if I partner with someone who who specialises in this and does this mm. for a living rather than us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going <clears throat> mean, to... I'm just going to. <laughs> Obviously, your words got to me emotionally. I'm just going to um, just check in on that because, you know, maybe I shouldn't have invited you here um, because we're an organisation that advocates to build it yourself. Um, <laughs> Um, Differences of opinion are good. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a caveat to that. Um, our, um, and, and this is why we're in the room together. Our, we are a build-it-yourself digital portal organisation. Mm-hmm. As I've learned recently, most of that bespoke build about access has been underpinned by Auth0 <laughs> yeah. and others, right? And um, our biggest customer and our newest customers. I keep saying this. And and so this has been a revelation for me, and this is why I'm exploring it as an area to understand it. And I didn't know that for my technologists. It didn't come up Mm -hmm. in in two years of Thunder Labs ever that that was it until it did, until the recent work that um, you guys have seen us do. And then it's like, yeah, duh, we do this all the time. And so it just shows me that when we're building um, rapid pilots Mm -hmm. and, um, and... using our own methodology to, to do so. Even we follow that advice to, that you've just given. Yeah. And there is, there is a tension in that. There is a tension that we... we I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'll use Okta or Zero. I'm not saying that. What I am mm. saying, though, is it's just been a revelation for me that we... we, we, we that's what we do. I think there's an element of, like, resource scarcity in that, too. Because I think no matter who you are, what company you're with, at the moment, especially in the current economic climate, there is a, a level, and it, I don't know where it's occurring in your own business or, or wherever, of, of resource scarcity, whether that be people, money, investment, whatever. Um, and so you have to think about where the resources you do have are best, best invested, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that be people or, or money or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you can take away a huge chunk of that, and I'm not just looking at identity here, it's it's anything else that's uh, taking up a lot of time and resources that you could offload elsewhere, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you use the Thunder Labs? Why build it yourself? Come and, mm. you know, use people who do this day in, sure. day out. Yeah. So that, that's a sort of second into access the, <coughs> access the people that can or are exactly. interested in, you know. I mean, I don't think I'd ever advocate buy, buy versus build. I think I'm... Choose, choose choice, factor choice, choose exactly. the right path. Exactly. But at least ask the, the experts. Um, and, and ask the question of yourself and your mm. teams, and is this, is this the right place for us mm. to be spending these resources? Mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. 
It feels like the second piece of advice you gave, uh, you know, about um, bringing identity onto the list and elevating it up the ranks of important yeah. things. Because, you know, if you do elevate it, I can imagine all the periphery um, systems that, 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 that um, hang off of uh, um, identity. Yeah. Ch- it changes the strategy around that, whether it's just everything. It does. Um, hmm. It's one of those, um, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time and the unfortunate part of it is there's very little fanfare and kudos, but the moment it doesn't work, <laughs> everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, is, it is one of those things. When it, when it works, you kind of forget about it, which mm-hmm. is what you want mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. I think um, someone said to me today earlier that um, success is ascribed to the environment, mm-hmm. Whereas failure is attributed to the individuals or the company, Um, so you know it's a bit that way, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, When when you think of uh, and and again, you know, I'm going back not this current role or the roles from before, but when you think about service transformation that Mm. have been achieved through identity, like a case study on it, and maybe we'll leave the names out so it doesn't get weird. Sure. Um, And I don't want I don't people to think that we're flogging anything or advertising I'm just I'm just interested in what's the thing that you think of that you've seen done best where someone's really you know brought identity to the core of transformation really thought about it and then uh uh, and then and then move forward like what what were the let's start with the benefits or the results first if you don't matter what 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 happened there I think um the most successful transformation projects I've ever uh, been anywhere near um have started with people at the centre of the change. Mm. It's not a technology thing. It's not uh, anything to do with throwing in a new shiny tech stack, but actually looking fundamentally at people, Mm -hmm. how they are either doing their roles Mm -hmm. or engaging with your platform and then using that to determine the identity strategy. Mm -hmm. Anyone can show, throw a new shiny toy around, uh, but without that basic understanding of where are you right now with your mm. user experience and where are you trying to take it, mm. it's just going to be a shiny toy that no one's probably going to like using anyway. Mm-hmm. So the success is about putting people at the centre. I wonder if you think one of the distinctions my co-founder has given me, it's not about the business, it's about the customer. The customer can be workforce, can or can be you know somebody who's spending their money with you. So, it's um, it's the customer, not the business. So I would uh, transformation start with people's generic, but transformation start with the the customer mm-hmm. at the center. And it feels like you know we're in danger of being motherhood by saying because everyone says it. Everyone says our customer first. I, I, you know, and I'm working on our values and mission and strategy for the next year. You know, and I'm deeply reflecting on this, and I feel almost a cliche. You know, I know what s- you mean. saying it right. Yeah, so cheesy, but but it's so true. Yeah, and it, it, it almost it's so common sense. You're like, mm-hmm. if it's if it is so easy, why doesn't everyone do it? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, it's it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to identify that people element of what you're trying to do, whether that be just how someone engages or even how we expect the next employee to onboard. You know, mm-hmm. and and having. So many differing opinions can often make it feel hard and a bit um, decision by council mm-hmm. to have an understanding. But, you know, at the, at the core of it, I think we're all just trying to connect mm-hmm. meaningfully. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what drives choices when it comes to identity strategy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You're landing on something else there, I think, really sing, sings to me. Um, whenever I try and do um, a broad-based um, decision, mm-hmm. too many people in the room... Mm-hmm. Um, it just gets lost. You know, you spend hours and hours going to and fro, and, and I'm talking even internally in my own company, and it's my company, <laughs> damn it. Um, the, and I think about the way our, our projects division, well, and this isn't something I've held as a truth till this m- moment. In fact, it's a revelation. Mm. That maybe that's why the methodology that our guys use, the Spartan method, is that way. Maybe that's why the techs go only three people plus a customer in a room, yep. those three people are there to bring to life the vision of the of, of the customer mm-hmm. and, and code it to show them what's being coded as it's being, you know, described. Yeah. Because um, there's complexity and there's loss of um, resonance in, you know, when there's lots of people in the chain. I think that's a lot of what of what goes on. And, and so, again, not, not a, a long-held belief, but, but maybe a revelation of... Why the uh, the principles of what our teams do kind of works. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, hopefully, um, my co-founders and technology people aren't listening to this because they probably think now I should know this already. Probably, <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay, so we talk about a transformation with um, customers at the centre. We've talked about um, you know, considering your options of building. You know, b- building versus buy, but, but consider if you've got the world's experts in something, use them. Um, and um, and then, you know, bringing identity onto the list of priorities and perhaps even elevating it and thinking about it as, as core to how the whole ecosystem holds yeah. together. Right, okay. Um, so is there a specific example of what, what the transition was for transformation? I know that's like... A, it's hard to do that without naming people, whether it's yeah. a bank or... Because I, I know you've worked in banking, you know where else you work, you know. Banking, just, government, uh, all over mm. the place, media. Mm. Um, well, who do you hold as the best one? If it's not one you've been involved with, who do you hold as the best example um, at the moment of where someone's done something with um, customer identity at the core? Oh, um, there's a few. I haven't been... Or to the delivery of them. Yeah, but and maybe ones you don't do, but ones you've seen that you I, go, oh, that's good. And I think that's why I like them too, because <laughs> I wasn't part of uh-huh, okay. the good. project. Well, this um, is even more compelling then. <laughs> a little bit. But there, there's been some... Uh, so off the top of my head, some of my favourite transformational journeys have been uh, either uh, hotel chains... Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and there's this like core sort of element around loyalty um, mm-hmm. that occurs within them. So, uh, if you think about uh, large hotels mm-hmm. uh, that have multiple brands, and you really don't want to have to have all these different username and passwords, and you kind of want your loyalty to carry over from one place to the next. Mm-hmm. All of that involves identity. So, so mm-hmm. seeing some of the transformation that some of these multinational hotel brands have been able to achieve has been um, pretty mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the other has been in like sporting uh, mm-hmm. and seeing what some of the uh, larger national sporting organisations are, are looking to do and change. Mm-hmm. 
um, taking you from, you know, uh, box office ticketing in person to then online ticketing and then ultimately looking at ways to create uh, paperless stadiums and those sorts of things and then also the way that they interact with the fan engagement portals and all mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of taps into just my own personal interests as well. Mm, holidays and footy. Holidays and footy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but seeing that kind of... And again, it's, it's by putting me personally at the centre of what they're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that problem that April is specifically having when she travels? Mm -hmm. Let's fix that. It almost mm -hmm. feels personal, right, mm -hmm. these, these changes. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that kind of resonate with me if I sort of take off the hat of mm -hmm. practitioner and mm -hmm. technologist and mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. it's the ones that I actually engage with day to day. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I'm into skiing and um, I was just yesterday looking for something. Um, firstly, if Perisher, you're listening or what are they called? The Veil Group. That website and customer experience is so S-H-I-T. Um, not them, but the website and the portal. Someone needs to help them fix it and I want it to be me. Anyway, if you're listening, Mr. Veil or Mrs. Veil or Miss Veil. Or, anyway, you get the gist. Um, um, and I found myself going away from experiences yesterday when I wanted to buy six things, mm -hmm. helmets for safety for the kids, yep. and I went from somewhere that was a, a terrible experience to somewhere that was more expensive yep. because I could, I, could, I could just have a proper experience, yep. you know? Um, and it's crazy how much that experience aspect uh, affects your conversion rate ultimately. Yeah. Uh, I know it's kind of backing a little bit away from identity, but um, uh, shopping carts that don't have, like, you know, PayPal or Apple Pay and need mm -hmm. me to put in a credit card number, I was like, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. I don't even know mm -hmm. where my wallet is mm -hmm. half the time. Mm -hmm. So I click away and if mm -hmm. there's somewhere easier for me to shop, then mm -hmm. I will go and do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At comfort of my own couch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I want to know when I can stop paying for things with um, cryptocurrency because, you know, it just really bothers me that my wallets are completely, in, seemingly becoming even more ineffectual, my, my crypto <laughs> wallets at the moment. Because um, I would love to buy some helmets, not with, obviously, a lot of Bitcoin, but maybe a fraction of a Bitcoin. But, but that, that's really hard. And I'm, yeah. like, this digital wallet experience and, you know, me having decentralized finance access mm -hmm. and paying for things I want to pay. And obviously I'm going to pay taxes on the money that comes in and goes there. Of course I do. Uh, Mr. ATO, Mrs. ATO, if you're listening, Miss ATO. Um, but I am interested in, in, in that next wave. And that comes a little bit back to um, yeah. blockchain identity. And I am, you know, uh, I'm sort of half in, half out. I'm in the system. I do the right thing by, you know, um, by my social responsibility. But I, I also don't want big tech owning that for me. Yeah. And um, I went really hard on blockchain in the early days and, and investing in it and playing with it. And it's come a little bit off the boil, but I just want to come back to what you said. It's, it's interesting that maybe um, decentralized um, services, whether DeFi or um, DeSci or yep. you know, whatever, um, is the answer. So how do you see that playing out? Do you have, do you have a view? Is that an area you're interested in? Um, it's been something that I've been learning about. It's definitely not my, you know, my core... Uh, identity specialty, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been actively trying to understand more about where that's heading mm -hmm. from an identity perspective. And you bringing out the wallet is really important because that's fundamentally going to be uh, the way forward if decentralised identity takes off. Mm -hmm. So 
think about that wallet experience uh, and you have, I don't know, uh, stored within there a number of what we call verified credentials. Mm -hmm. So one may be a verified version of your driver's licence, maybe your passport, uh, maybe some other credential that a trusted organisation has created for you, but you now store inside the equivalent of your phone's wallet, Mm -hmm. digital wallet. Now, what Verified Identity is looking to do is allow you to share the bare minimum information for you to achieve a service outcome. Mm-hmm. So I always like th- uh, using the uh, analogy of going to buy booze at a bottle shop. Mm-hmm. Right? For the purposes of purchasing alcohol and proving mm-hmm. you are over 18, mm-hmm. all an organisation needs is a photo mm-hmm. so that you can match your face to that photo and some form of tick that says you are over 18. Mm-hmm. What we currently give them is every single piece of information we have on our driver's licence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about some of the clubs and bars in Sydney, they also take scans of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're handing over so much information for the purposes of just proving that we're 18. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the case of Uh, clubs, Mm -hmm. you do also need to prove that you're outside of a certain range. Mm -hmm. But we hand over so much of our own personal identity Mm -hmm. to organisations where we have no certainty over how they're storing those, how they're destroying it, how they're recycling it, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Decentralised identity Mm -hmm. is is looking to allow you to share only what is needed Mm -hmm. and keep all the rest. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know... uh, bar, club, mm-hmm. bottle shop, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they can just validate that, yes, that is a, you know, New South Wales government-issued checkmark, mm-hmm. they're over 18, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's really about putting power back into your hands as a consumer and allowing you to share only what you want shared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also moving forward will be mechanisms of how to also, like, unconsent from having that mm-hmm. in, a, in another database as well. So that's kind of where things are going. There are some technologies out there now, so verifiable credentials, which is what I mentioned, that are available and being mm-hmm. used in certain contexts uh, around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, adoption. Uh, there's also a, a level of education that mm-hmm. people like you and I will need to go through to understand how to use this, mm-hmm. shopkeepers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But um, that's, that's where we're seeing things heading from a a privacy perspective and and what users would be looking to gain in the future. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I understand the case study you gave that um, you've got verified um, identity mm. sources to access in the bar is a great example. Correct. So they just see the important stuff. Um, the same principle applies that my, um, my de- decentralised um, identity platform could be the gateway to... Google where I buy buy things, but okay. but I guess we're moving into a world where my platform is direct access to vendor or customer uh, customer direct access to seller, which then um, disintermediates the Googles and whatnot of the okay. world. So, you know, I know we're stepping into Web three commerce type thing, yes. but you know, I'm, de- I'm definitely not an expert. So maybe maybe someone is there. <laughs> <laughs> invite someone else along yep. the next time who talks about that. Um, 
Um, you know, I, I don't have off the top of my mind any players in that space that are in blockchain identity. Do you know anyone? That does it? There are actually one of the ones I know of uh, is a small. Well, I don't know how small they are anymore, but they're actually from New Zealand. It's a oh, company called Matter. All, all the best people are Matter. All the best people are M A T T R. M A T T R. Yeah. Um, we also have our own version of it. Um, oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's in labs at the moment, so you can actually you know, play oh, around right. with that. And there are a few others around there. Um, but, yeah, obviously I know the Kiwis. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I want to speak to Matter and I want to speak to the people at um, Okta who do the blockchain yep. identification stuff. I, I'm fascinated. I, I really wanted to bring this to life and I had some ideas around, um, I mean, if you look on LinkedIn, my little PFP there is on the blockchain and I had some ideas about accessing... Um, procuring services from us and using smart contracts and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, just to be honest, building a business has gotten in the way of my innovation in that space. I've had to bring the innovations back to more um, more core business as opposed to being, you know, yeah. central as opposed to way out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to way out there, but but just need to keep it in and make money, keep the, keep the, keep the business going. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Um, we, um, we were just going to talk about New Zealand, right, because mm -hmm. we were talking... Um, before we came on about access to technology, we're yeah. talking about indigenous communities and technology. Correct. And, um, you know, recently I've come across quite a lot of um, Kiwis. Am I allowed to say that, Kiwis? Yeah, you're allowed to say Kiwis, Kiwis that's fine. Checking, yeah, checking, yeah, 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 yeah. Bro also works. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know if it rolls off now, try it. Bro. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, maybe not. <laughs> we'll, we'll stick to Kiwis. No, no northern England. My kids say bro to me. and Because uh, they're Aussie, right? And they just roll out with the bros. And I'm like... Darling, to my daughter, do you, you really want to call me bro? You know, she does. She loves it. Um, all right. So um, what's the is – there's a couple of things. It always feels to me like Kiwis I know are – maybe it's that's because I'm coming into contact them. They seem to be the frontier of the technologies that they're in. Yeah. It, it feels like I come across them. Um, so two questions. What's the tech landscape in New Zealand like? Yeah. And um, – uh, indigenous communities in New Zealand, like yeah. what access to that, specific to stuff that we've talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind talking about Australia, but I feel like home is where the heart is. Let's talk about yeah. that more than um, yeah. Australia. If I, tell you, I know Australia's home. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. I know what um, you're saying. God, I hate you. I was going to get a hold of this and say, Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> um, okay, so, um, yeah, tech landscape in New Zealand mm -hmm. um, and then... Um, indigenous community access to technology, yeah. accessible technology in, in, in Kiwiland. Yeah. What's that like? Um, yeah, look, I've been fortunate enough for the last three or so years to work closer and closer back in the homeland. Mm -hmm. um, the tech landscape is diverse and mm -hmm. it's it's quite amazing really. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's this, there's this almost underdog Kiwi mentality mm. of we're just going to make it work no matter what that thing is. Mm -hmm. And so it does make for a very entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. um, where that matters and where the people where people have the motivation to want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so you can see anything from uh, a, a great company that I've uh, had, a, had the pleasure of doing work with. Um, I won't say their name, I don't think. Oh, no, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but they're doing things, they're doing amazing things around um, AI and uh, utilising the way you interpret information mm -hmm. coming from uh, the AI system to then branch off where it goes. Mm -hmm. So an example of this is 
let's say you're wanting to bake a cookie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it can then uh, take models of your face and understand that you're a bit confused. So it'll slow down <laughs> and make it a little bit easier for you. <laughs> it can see when you're looking like you're wanting to speed up and it will interpret all of those signals of your, you know, personal mm. appearance, persona, agitation and mm. actually change the way that it takes you through that process of baking a cookie. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to, like, the founder of the company and he said ultimately what the goal was was... Um, PAs, executive assistants, all those sorts of things have historically been um, sort of, what do you call it, Uh, people don't have access to them unless you have money and or power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas everyone should have an assistant. Everyone Mm -hmm. should have a personal assistant. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so in in his future, uh, your personal assistant and mine, setting up this Mm. podcast today, you could just say, I need to talk to April, I want her to come and do this podcast our personal assistants sort of talk to each other, negotiate the best time for me to do it based on my calendar, mm. based on what it knows about my energy levels over the day. Mm-hmm, this mm. is the time she'll be the most personable, et cetera, mm-hmm, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Same with yours. And then all of that will get set up and we'll both get notes about it before we actually come and do this. Mm. That's kind of where he's trying to trying mm. to get to. So, And you have everything from that to then just, you know, companies launching rockets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so varied and vast and... I really, I've really loved going back to New Zealand and working because, you know, there's companies that are doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in turnover with a couple hundred people mm-hmm. and just making it work in, like, mm-hmm. sheds in mm-hmm. the middle of Wellington mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been really mm-hmm. quite phenomenal to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the first side of things. Um, the second side, uh, if... No one looks me up on LinkedIn. I am of Māori descent, mm-hmm. so I did grow up in rural New Zealand. Um, what I found uh, interestingly is uh, Māori looking at owning their futures, I guess is a really broad way of saying that, mm-hmm. but really looking at ways Māori can build experiences, organisations... Uh, pathways to yeah. success for other Māori. Mm-hmm. So there's all these uh, different companies that have been stood up to do everything from, you know, help women like myself from young ages get into STEM, for mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done some chats with some of them. One organisation that pops to mind is called Puhoro. So they help uh, provide pathways from high school into universities to, to allow mm-hmm. uh potentially marginalised children to, to get educations in, in STEM. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of those popping up and that's been really uh, great to see and I hope it continues because, you know, diversity really helps drive change and, mm-hmm. you know, taking on that um, uh, comment I said earlier about accessibility and, and experiences that are built for mm-hmm. everyone, you kind of need the voice of everyone to be able to do those. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been... It's, been an amazing couple years to to go back and really kind of get my hands dirty in the space. Mm-hmm. So both the landscape of technology and the um, sport of and you, what was the word you didn't use um, disadvantaged you used disadvantaged communities you used um, marginalised marginalised thank word. you yeah, yeah. marginalised communities yeah. whether that's the right word or not I, I don't know you know, your 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 
Kiwi, Maori, you can say what you want. I, I don't know what to say. Um, although I always find something to say. Yeah, I, I've, I've really struggled with how I make an impact there. I mean, this is mm. deeply personal. I'll probably have to delete all of this out that I'm about to say. Because I really want to. I really, it's not like, you know, I, I, I got into what I do to help people. And, uh, you know, the commercial realities of... Um, building the business that you know me through before yeah. I think took me away from what my heart said to, to do mm-hmm. you, you know that's what I wanted yeah. and um, I feel like every podcast is so age I'm 46 um, um, I feel more equipped than ever to, to make a difference and do something about it but mm. I find in the noise of um, diversity washing and green washing and just watch just washing it's really hard to get cut through, and um, and and this this year or the last couple of years, I've invested time and headspace into doing that, and I've I've created the wrong environment for it, which I acknowledge. You know, I could yeah. I, I could have, um, or I just haven't funded the initiatives in the right way. But I, ge- I genuinely have given it a shot, and you know, so this is just the recent two years. Um, and then, um, and even before that, I, I really tried with the brain injury software to, to, to try and create this um, 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 for-profit, for-purpose ecosystem. And it's really challenging. And I, w- I wonder if sometimes if, you know, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not from a, what people would perceive to be a marginalized um, background. Sure. I mean, no, no one knows a thing about me, by the way. And um, I mean, aside from what I put on the air. Um, so what do you, you know, if I could ask you a personal opinion, like mm-hmm. what, what do you have a view on what companies should do better? I don't mean the bullshit. I mean the real stuff. I uh, Honestly, it's a very hard question to answer. Um, I have often thought about um, what hurdles I faced uh, beginning in IT or, or even deciding to go to university to study computer science. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't get my degree, by the way, mm-hmm. but um, I did go and study for a little bit and... I think, I mean, I was always quite resilient anyway. Grew up in a big family, a lot of male voices. So the whole being one of, I think, five females in my entire year of university and then multiple organisations of being the only female too, that that never bothered me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do know it's hard for others. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of the things I have always thought back to was, you know, what could... What could I have shown 16-year-old April that she mm. didn't see that might have helped mm-hmm. make sure she knows that this is the right journey, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I, I always keep coming back to visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, there was no one in tech that looked le- anything like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm Māori, female, queer, mm-hmm. you know, all of the diversity boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was no role model for me to model myself after or look up to as if she can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very conscious of that now mm-hmm. um, and that's why I do try to lend my voice and face to as many diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. um, schools, associations, chats, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because of just that one person, that one girl that maybe looks like me or maybe mm-hmm. grew up where I grew up, kind of looks at it and goes, if she can do it, I can do it, mm-hmm. uh, that would be success in my books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and there, there, are, there are definitely some organisations or, or, or teams where 
hiring diversity for diversity's sake is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the you know the next hire must be mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. That doesn't work because mm-hmm. now you're giving up places for maybe potentially people that are more worthy mm-hmm. of that spot mm-hmm. for the sake of what like a, a, a checkbox, a tick box, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think having a having a goal towards mm-hmm. what your diversity outcome is, mm-hmm. whether that be fifty percent female, whatever that might be, thirty percent, ten percent more than today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and using that as your cornerstone rather than we just need to t- tick all these boxes. Um, that is a better way of approaching that kind of thing than, mm-hmm. than I have seen in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, representation matters. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing, seeing something is, is really understanding that you can do it and be it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called, um, my friend Gus the Psychologist, which is a previous episode, was telling me about it's something like... Um, it's something to do with association, like let's just say it's um, association confirmation. You see it, and then you know you know you can do because you've seen it. You know right. you don't you don't have to be the the trailblazer. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But yeah. but, but knowing someone's been before. Um, yeah, not everyone can do that uh, and have the resilience to just continue to trailblaze. I think. Yeah. Um, it's all about sort of I guess you would all sort of push at that ceiling. Mm-hmm. Over time, one after the other, mm-hmm. but yeah, having having seen someone else walk that path before you, just gives you confirmation that it's possible. Mm-hmm. So it, it just takes some of that anxiety away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say. Um, mm, yeah, it's a it's, it's a quandary. I'm, I'm I'm pausing to go. How do, deep do I want to go on that particular go thing? For it. Yeah, well, you know, we've got another four hours. I may as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if we keep going, we'll be at beer time before we know it. Mm. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I guess the fact that I'm even unable or unwilling to express myself is a, an example of where I think things are because sure. people who want to do something in this domain um, who are um, thoughtful... Um, I, I, I think you're withdrawing a little bit. Yeah. I, I do. I, I, I feel that I, I, I feel deeply frustrated that I can't you know, make a difference, seems to be, and um, any momentum seems to be hard and just, you know, and I, I think I told you, I, I feel like I put my business at risk by trying to do certain things, sponsor certain things. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you just bunched in with everybody else you may as well be like everybody else and that's just yeah. a really you know I find it an area of deep personal tension yeah um, having, ha, just having said that we ha, we are making our first progress our, our first funded apprenticeship um, apprentice like a plumber mm-hmm. uh, comes in but is learning to code so we, um, we we've, we've made progress but two years two years of fighting and not not internally but just just to get it done yeah um, it's, been, it's been fascinating, and, and I have to. Admit, I mean, it's not just about this initiative; it's about business in general. Sometimes I feel like I just, you know, even within an accepted domain, yeah. services. I, I believe there's certain things about what we do that are trailblazing, and quite frankly, I just want to give up on them and yeah. come back to mainstream and just ignore the, um, you know, 
people talk like uh, about about purpose led businesses and mission led businesses, and there's a lot out there I know. Yeah. But I also know that's a very hard business compared to a transaction business, which is about making money. Yeah. And you know, people like me, um, I think, and and there's many that I did <laughs> circumstances like this that I'd meet. You know, like it's too hard. It's too hard to do it different, and they want to, right? Yeah. And also some of those things you're talking about, and, and this is maybe an area we'll just sort of start to back up a little bit around, around um, diversity quotas of, of pick any type. You yeah, know, exactly. it's, it's, I have no agenda with complete um, equity and equality. My daughters, you know, of course. Yeah. It's super challenging out of this space at the moment. I, this may not be a sentence you want to hear, mm-hmm. but... Lower your expectations. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to tell me to shut, shut the F up. I mean, <laughs> that will come later. <laughs> um, but no, like, the the first trainee, the, the first apprentice, mm-hmm. celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it feels like you probably haven't achieved as much as you would have wanted to in the time frame, mm-hmm. but this now creates a path mm-hmm. that others after can walk. Mm-hmm. Easier than the first. Yeah, yeah, this is true. And all of this snowballs into mm-hmm. bigger and bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that first of any of this is always going to be difficult, but mm-hmm. it all helps build mm-hmm. process and path and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, future fathers, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. lower your expectations. <laughs> I, I suppose even this interaction is something that um, I'm quite proud of, actually, because I've never seen... Um, any reason not to talk to anybody about anything, you know, yeah. to, to be... I, I mean, you've known me since my mid-twenties, which is when I was probably at my peak dickheadishness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 then after <not> <laughs> Let's just say peak dickheadishness. I think I can say that. Sorry, HR. Um, and, um, you know, maybe just um, the expression of this is 20 years in, not two years in. I, mm. I, I don't know. It's... It's something else for me that um, I'm working on, which is nothing to do with identity access management. And, no, you know, but, but it's obviously areas that, um, you know, you and I talked before about why yeah. we're in business. Yeah. And I'm in for something I can't quite put my finger on, which is why mm-hmm. I'm, you know, awkwardly explaining, but a bit similar to you, I think, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, let's say 16 years ago, this is not a conversation I could have had mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, at that period in my life, I was... Just chasing money. That doesn't exactly put you in the prime spot to be a role model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned, the dickishness of the time. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's something that uh, when it does click within you and, and you kind of know that maybe there is uh, something bigger and broader than yourself that you can do, uh, things start falling into place slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't been that long for me that I've sort of looked back on my career and gone, actually, there were a few times I could have mm-hmm. been more supportive of other female colleagues or mm-hmm. other females moving up through the ranks that I, I, I just didn't because at the time I, it, you know, it never really dawned on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I am uh, now in a place where I can both support people and mentor them and help them uh, get into maybe the areas or just provide advice on how I did it. Um, and so I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I think you have to decide that that's going to be something that you want to do. It's not something anything can 
anyone can force on mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad we are actually having this conversation mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. all these years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, as a friend of mine, um, someone I know, so, and um, he just started to sit down with his friends and interview them in this way. And mm-hmm. um, I think the essence of it was um, sort, sort your shit out. Uh, type conversations with his mates, right? Yeah. And but then it's evolved into this business that he now does, where he does it, you know, globally across yeah. big communities, and I find that um, quite fascinating. So, I think um, there's a bit of this for me, which is um, you know, sort your shit out. Like I haven't invited anyone on that's not a friend, or but, but you know, I'm I'm fast with friends. Um, mm. Like as in, if I meet someone, I like them. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll I'll extend the same courtesy to them that I would someone I've known twenty years. I mean, why not? It just seems. Um, um, that's the right thing to do, you know, exactly. regardless of um, provenance or anything else. I mean, I, I avoid arseholes like the, the the plague, you know, I don't want to deal with anything with them. Mm-hmm. But someone who's decent, I, I find myself wanting that more than ever, which is, uh, so like you say, it's the reason that we're here, right? Uh, aside from um, everything else. Um, I might just loop back to a, a couple of things that, sure. um, you know, uh, that seem a lot more boring, but, but no less important. Um, with my preferences, personal details, private information, mm-hmm. for richness of purchasing experiences, you know, for things, yeah. um, I want, I want, you know, I want a rich experience, but I want to protect it. And yeah. I, there's nothing I wouldn't keep secure. You know, if my if my entire wealth is held in this location, those locations, which it is, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to tell anyone. Um, why wouldn't my preferences then? And what? How do you? You know, information security and, and that thinking is making me think about government governance of information mm-hmm. and um, what what information governance is and yeah. uh, and I think we sort of touched on those themes. So, so the question I have um, come back to this stuff is what is information governance mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, let's just start there. Okay, um, <coughs> look in my opinion, is there's a, a couple of parts to it. Um, one is set out in privacy laws, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, information should only be gathered, and I'm ad-libbing, obviously. I don't mm-hmm. know the Constitutional mm-hmm. Privacy Act. Mm-hmm. Um, information should only be gathered that is commiserate to the interaction, right? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be gathering more information than you need mm-hmm. for this business transaction, etc. Mm-hmm. So that's the first sort of element of it. The other side is... Unfortunately, a bit more on blind faith. Mm-hmm. Expectations of me, of any organisation that I do business with, is that they are protecting that information mm-hmm. that I have provided them in a manner that is, um, you know, in line mm-hmm. with the risk of that information. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you're storing my credit card number and all my credit card details, mm-hmm. I, I expect financial grade security to go mm-hmm. around that. And nothing less. Mm-hmm. But most of the time we act on blind faith that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately in Australia <clears throat> we have seen a lot of, you know, major high-profile high breaches mm-hmm. where data has been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, companies have ended up in the newspaper. The government has now had to mandate huge fines. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that promise between a consumer and an organisation is no longer just blind faith but mm. almost a company's fear now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because 
if they don't do this, it's oh, off the top of my head. It's I think it's a fifty million dollar fine mm-hmm. or a percentage of revenue mm-hmm. lost, whichever is higher. Mm-hmm. So that gives me a little bit more assurance mm-hmm. as a consumer mm-hmm. that at least there's some big stick coming after companies to make sure they do this thing well. Mm-hmm. But will it stop every breach? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I also have this. And I think this is more just my own personal take on the world and life. It's like, really, how important am I? Like, mm-hmm. on, the, on the grand scheme of things, if someone got my personal information, how worried or concerned am I really as an mm. individual? I can replace credit cards, licences, passports, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and be relatively safe. But, you know, that might not be the truth for every person out there. And then, you know, there's also the other element of, just the mental fatigue of mm. knowing your information is out there and, and what people could do with it. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a long-winded way to sort of respond about it. But those two elements of organisations should only be uh, should only be collecting what is needed mm-hmm. and an expectation from consumers mm. that that is being stored mm-hmm. with a level of security appropriate to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I consider information governance, especially from an identity point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you only have what you need and it's safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally makes sense, yeah. It's funny, I feel the same, you know, if someone stole, you know, my, I mean, they might know some personal stuff that I don't want them to know, but yeah. I'm an oversharer anyway. Um, I'd be more concerned about, like, my text messages than I would my <laughs> personal data. I read all your text messages. I know they're you horrible. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I. But obviously, if they, you know, if there's theft or you know, they, they stole my life savings, which are, actually I just owe money. You know, so anyway, it's not <laughs> still. But 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 you, you know what I mean. Like there is that that side of it would be very bad. And yeah. um, but I've almost you know it's funny you say that because I've almost accepted it. I've almost accepted it that my data is already already in someone's hands. Yeah. Already, you know. Um. Which again brings me back to like, what, what could I do about it with um, 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 uh, a decentralized service where which does control my data? And I think about what I you know I do for my um, crypto wallets and the seed phrases and the complexity of that, and you know, and I'm like, oh, there's got to be a better way, you know. So, you know, we, we're we're probably there. Um, when I was thinking about identity governance, I was thinking, yes, of course. Um, and you took me down an interesting path, actually, because I was thinking about, you know, the construct of data and the extraction of data and using mm-hmm. it for, you know, services. But, but of course, and I'm thinking about identity, yeah. uh, you, we're talking about an overall governance of what you should be doing with um, identity data. Yeah. You know? Not just those. There's, there's um, the, the term governance in the identity uh, realm actually also refers to specific capabilities. But... I mean, that's all around who has access to what. I think mm. the, the more important thing for just a, a general person out there listening to this mm. potentially is, is more about their own individual information. Mm-hmm. Um, Do the, um, does the technology exist, like, um, and, 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 and again, I'm a rookie, mm. that um, I could have my um, information with a third-party technology and then it, I, I can go through that to, re, to to control and release to websites. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, funnily enough, social login is actually a form of that. Um, you know, having we'll use Google and or Facebook as an mm-hmm. example. 
Um, that is a third party that you can then use to interact with another website, like a retail mm -hmm. site, right? Mm -hmm. Create me an account, mm -hmm. pass through X amount of information, mm -hmm. and return me an experience appropriately, mm -hmm. right? Um, but again, I, you know, there's there's de definitely fear about um, the control big tech has on the internet and the way we operate. So uh, there's definitely sort of uh, thoughts around taking chunks of that away from them. But, you know, that is ultimately what, what social login is and does. Mm -hmm. Does your organisation do that? Uh, yeah, so we... We allow you to integrate with uh, effectively any social provider you want um, mm -hmm. from a uh, when you're building sort of your login experience. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, depending on what your organisation does, there are going to be some providers that are more useful or relevant than others. Mm -hmm. For example, I wouldn't really want a bank to allow me to sign up with a Facebook account, mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. that might be totally fine if I'm just shopping for clothes, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's all about that kind of uh, expectation, consumer first mentality. Mm -hmm. um, will this make people feel more or less secure? Uh, and there are actually government um, identities or, or providers out there. So um, Singapore, SingPass in Singapore always comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can integrate with all of those and, and use that as a sort of uh, fuel to your e-commerce platform or platform mm -hmm. generally. Does, um, um, do, you know, again, rookie questions, mm. um, Auth0, as I understand, is the customer side. So mm. does Auth0 have the ability for someone like me to have an Auth0 account which, I, which holds my identity, which I then use to sign up for a bank or something else? Is that is that where we're going with this because I would rather have a security company own my data than a social company which I don't trust what they're going to do with my data your business is to protect my data their business is to use my data you know so is that is that where we are at with these things could I hold it there um yeah so uh, it's actually Okta so I, a couple I, I, of years ago last, I can't remember what year it was either last year or the year before um, we had a keynote, I think it was at Octane, which is like our big user conference, mm -hmm. around a capability called OctaPersonal, mm -hmm. which is effectively that concept of, mm. of Octa storing a identity for you to then use to transition through your education, mm -hmm. maybe your uh, different organisations you work for, uh, but ultimately owning that as your own sort of uh, core identity that we then allow you to share with consent to other mm -hmm. other organisations or ecosystems. Um, it's currently, like, out in beta. It's just not it's not available in Australia. I've been trying to get it signed mm -hmm. up so I can play around with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't tell you much about the experience, but there are some keynote videos out there mm -hmm. on the interwebs mm -hmm. about Octopersonal, which is effectively trying to solve that mm -hmm. problem. Yeah, I, I want that. I want it now. Mm -hmm. America, I want it now. I know. Is You're it America? Is it, it some yeah, yeah, yeah. Come you on, can America. Get it in America. Catch I mean, not catch you. Release it. Whatever. Whatever Just the right. Release it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that that seems deeply appealing to me. And again, I'm thinking about friends of mine who I talk to about this stuff. I mean, mm. you know, I'm 20 years into technology. I know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. So my friends who have never worked in technology. I know. <laughs> you know, but, 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 you know, we're talking about people who have got pretty, pretty serious jobs, some of them. And this thing is on our mind. It's like, what, what do we, you know, how do we, 
The thing that always blows my mind is actually, like, the legal profession (laughs) and how much, like, incredibly sensitive data they have on paper. Mm -hmm. So much of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sort of boggles my mind sometimes. Well, Mark and the the cyber guys, who, you know, they were like, I can't even remember, it's like 80 or 90% of breaches come through the executive of a company, something like that, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're a person that people are, are pursuing. But, exactly. But th- then surely they need a, an, an authentication layer like an Okta or something for all, all their p- yeah. personal stuff. Like that. They're actually usually the user that also doesn't behave in a standard way. <laughs> so uh, there are mechanisms that you can use, like behavioural detection. Mm-hmm. So. Am I logging in from a different country, a different device? Sure. Have I logged in from here before? Is this time relatively mm-hmm. right, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So you can make a rule around that for your users for your average nine-to-fiver. Mm-hmm. Executives always fall outside of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were always exceptions to a rule, mm-hmm. um, where sometimes that can be too hard for mm-hmm. some systems to be able to cater for. Mm-hmm. So you just go, well, we'll just excuse them mm-hmm. and bypass that, yeah. which is historically been the case. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Ends up with, you end up with poor security outcomes because the loudest voices, unfortunately, <laughs> the smallest uh, percentage of user base, but are mm-hmm. able to just go, just mm-hmm. don't install the MFA thing on my phone. <laughs> and no one's going to say no to the CEO. Mm. Everyone says no to me, just so you know. Um, <laughs> maybe when we're big and important, people say yes, we'll maybe. see. Um, all right, we've covered so much. I, I... Is there anything that you think that we haven't covered that's important um, that um, we should talk about? We talked about a lot. We have talked about a lot. Um, cybersecurity generally, large, broad, vast. Mm-hmm. I think fundamentally as individuals, if you're listening to this, mm-hmm. um, a lot of security just fundamentally boils down to common sense mm-hmm. and security hygiene. Mm-hmm. I know everyone hates the corporate uh, cyber security certification that you might have to do once a year mm-hmm. and you just blindly click through, mm-hmm. here's how to store data and all that kind of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, all those small attentions to detail keep not just yourself but everyone else around you mm-hmm. protected and safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you took away anything, I'd, I'd take away that just as at a, at a human sort of like functional mm-hmm. what can I do level. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, those learning experiences though, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's cyber or yeah. uh, OH&S or mm-hmm. you know, even, heaven forbid, but like medical stuff where you're learning to... To, to do something. How to lift a box. Yeah. They're all boxed because those experiences aren't deeply engaging. But that's a that's a different problem to identity. That's about um, um, intuitive but engaging training modules that pe- yeah. people want to engage with. And I, I think that, unfortunately, you're always going to have um, errant um, behavior and, and bad actors. But, mm-hmm. but that can be managed through good, um, robust... Um, experiences, you know, good good portals, and this is back to you know our obviously areas of interaction. We we build the digital, you know, you've got the yeah. the identity access. I can't, I can't help but shake shake that that's the case. Um, but but I hear you. At least you know, 
be be aware, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. Thank you for the two hours we've had. Something like that. Something like that. It's okay. It's <laughs> flowing. I know, right? It goes quick, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's really fun. I enjoy it. <laughs>